All right. Welcome to episode 25 of Everyday Ecclesiology. I'm Daniel Greenhall. And I'm Desiree, his wife. And our goal in this podcast is to explore what it looks like for laymen within the local church to be faithful members of one another. Yeah, that's correct. So this podcast has four segments. The first one is who we are. We just did that. Uh, We introduced ourselves. Second is what we're doing. We'll get to that in a second. Third is what we're learning. Today will be catechism question two. And fourth will be what we're reading, which we actually have something to share this time, which is good because we got something done. All right. So what are we doing, Desiree? Um, Well, this morning we're doing some home organization stuff and you were working on installing a new thermostat. Not that we needed one, but someone gladly sent us one that they thought was better than the one we had. And so... Yeah, the one we had um, runs off batteries, which a lot of thermostats run off batteries, but it's a lot more helpful if the thermostat runs off of power from the furnace, since the furnace has power going to it and you have wires going to the thermostat anyway, then the thermostat just always has power. And if the power goes out, you have batteries as a backup because mm. it can run on batteries for a year and not uh, just fine. So you'll always have batteries as a backup, which most of the time, if the power goes out, you're not going to have heat anyway. Right. But we have a gas furnace. So pretty sure. Yeah. It uh, be. But it's electronically controlled. Oh. Yeah, it's when you I'm just use sure. the stove. <laughs> yeah, we have a stove. But That's at least gas. it doesn't lose all the programming stuff we put into it and things like that. So we don't have to reprogram this temperature at this time. So I got that installed. And it's one I'm much more familiar with. The interface is much more intuitive. Um, it's the thermostat I grew up with, which makes life a lot easier. You're looking think, at me funny. Well, I think you're bumping the cord onto the table. But oh, was it? It it probably won't even pick it up since yeah, they're hopefully. nicer mics. Yep. Um, so that was fun to get that installed. I found out that whoever, all the people that have tampered with this furnace and thermostat before me, oh my goodness, it was a mess. Mm. So there's, in total, from the thermostat to the furnace, there's like 10 feet of uh, wire connecting the two. Okay. Is that good or bad? That's a super short run because it's a oh, small okay. house. Makes yeah. it a really, really short run. Easy to replace. Okay. But they didn't. When they put in the new furnace, they're like, oh, it doesn't quite reach. Let's add, let's add two feet of wire on the end that's four conductor instead of five conductor. So we'll leave one wire hanging loose, not connected oh. to anything. And let's connect things to different colors too, but then oh, connect them no. to the right colors on the board. I'm so like, did you get it all fixed? Oh, yeah. Our heat's okay. still working now. I got it back up and running. But I'm like, you kidding me? You had you had 10 feet of wire on the truck and you were like, no, I don't want to pull that through the wall. <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. So I'm probably just going to have to pick up some new wire because right now we have four different pieces of wire oh wow okay in 10 feet yeah i probably should clean that up a little yeah bit. it's really bad and things are connected to different colors which end up connecting to the right terminals it's it's a mess but i got it working and i learned something so if you have if you have thermostat troubles let me know i'm qualified <laughs> to help out now but it was fun something to do got the thermostat mounted um yeah you were doing a lot of cleaning though this morning even not with cleaning organization yes. cleaning yes. is like get using a rag and seems like dirt. you're always doing a lot of organization though that's because we just moved in yeah well no it's not bad it's good i come oh. home and something else is organized it's pretty nice i'm working on the bathroom mostly because yeah. right a lot we had like cardboard boxes shoved up on the shelf and it looked nasty and see-through totes of things that you don't necessarily want see-through <laughs> <laughs> like who wants to see your band-aids and medicine cold medicines hanging out yeah stuff so, like that yeah um and then i have a little bit of spending money so i'll probably try to find some good de- deals on cute baskets and decor and whatever so working on that yeah getting it done um, I also have a new disc golf basket on the way. Mm-hmm. So if you play disc golf, you know you throw into a basket 
not like a hole, like in ball golf, but in disc golf, you throw into a basket. And I finally was able to buy one with a little bit of spending money I had. So I'll be able to practice in the backyard, not have to go to a course and take Sophia out there. She likes playing with me too. So she'll be able to throw some things into the basket as well. That'll be nice. Um, what else? I installed the thermostat, disc golf. I actually got to go out and play around and meet a guy on the course. That was kind of nice to meet somebody else, um, to play around with him out at Grandview Park. But that's about it. Not a ton going on this week. Just I got an extra day off of work. We're actually recording yeah. this on a Wednesday instead of like a Tuesday or a Wednesday evening. We have recorded on Wednesday evenings, that's for sure. I got to move my mic here. Oh, that didn't show up too much. Not too bad. Um, so I was able to go out and play. Oh, yeah, we're recording this on a Wednesday. I lost my train of thought. Yeah, but during the day, not yes. late at night when we're all yeah, tired. Yeah, it's like I don't have a time. I have nothing with a time. Oh, there's a phone. Oh, it's 11.04. Yeah, it's 11.04. There you go. Now you know what time you record this <laughs> on the Wednesday before because I got an extra day off of work. St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. I forgot about I that. I wore a little bit of green in my shirt so that nobody could pinch me because I, I can hated pinch you that. anyway. As a kid, <laughs> made me so mad. Oh, okay. Maybe I won't pinch you then. Yeah. Maybe we can go get some green Krispy Kremes. Yeah. That'd be fun. They'd or if we get run there out and by now, out, though. then we'll have to buy some other ones. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're learning today, I already mentioned we were on catechism question two. Um, so I got to tab over to that one. Uh, so we're still on the doctrine of God mm-hmm. and we're answering the broad question. What does the Bible teach about God? But then the specific question for today is. How many gods are there? Correct. Do you know the answer? Yeah. What? One. There you go. Except for the verse in the Bible that says there are other gods. There are many gods. Yeah, a little confusing. Yeah. I wonder if Pastor Danny touches on that. I can't remember if he touches on that in this one or now I'm trying to scroll through. It's actually not that confusing. If you read the context, you, uh, the context, you kind of know that there's still only one God. Yeah. Anyway, we don't want to get sidetracked. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get there. I can't remember if it's in this one or not or just something I thought of. Anyway, what's our main scripture? Uh, to go with this this time, Pastor Danny has a, a main scripture passage that we're going to look at, and there'll be others referenced, it's, and I'll try to put those in the description as well. Is but, it just the one verse yep. that encourage your kids to memorize along with the mm-hmm. catechism? Um, Isaiah 46, 9. Which reads? Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. That's right. So that's going to be our main verse that we're going to go through. But there are several other verses that will mm-hmm. get mentioned. I'll put them in the description, but I'll go ahead and read the references now. Um, and I think we'll go ahead and read through the verses as well that he pulls out. Right now go through, or yeah, later? Right now. Okay. I think we'll alternate. I'll take one, you take the other, and we'll go through all six of them. Oh, wow. Okay. That's not that bad. I mean, besides, if they don't make it that far in, then at least they got the scripture first. Yeah. Okay, so the first one he lists is Deuteronomy 6, which reads, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. So that's Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 and 5. And then Romans 3, verses 28 through 30. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. And then Romans 1, he references also verses 21 to 25. Ooh, I get a chunky one. So Romans 1, starting in verse 21. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the, the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. 
Therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Uh, Jeremiah 10.10 But the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. At his wrath, the earth Mm. quakes, and the nations cannot endure his indignation. Isaiah 40, verses 18 and 25. Uh, To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness will you compare with him? Then verse 25. To whom then will you compare me, that I should be like him, says the Holy One. And then Ephesians 3. I just scrolled a little too far. Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. For this reason I bow my knees Mm. before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Yep. So those are the, uh, well, those are six of the passages he's going to reference. He says also, see Isaiah 46, verse 5. But we don't have that on here. We're not going to read it right now. Um, but I'll, I'll mention when he references each of those references. I'll go ahead and put them in order in the show notes as well and label them one through six. It was just six, right? I yeah, think I'll so. label them one through six. So if I say this is reference number one, you can look down there to see which one that is. Um, but we're not going to read them through again. Uh, so now, what kind of explanation does Pastor Danny give? Because if he just says there's one God, he's the true and living God, there are no other gods except him, no one is like him, he cannot be compared to anything. That's great. But why should you take Pastor Danny's word for it? Mm-hmm. Well, he got it from Scripture, not just came up with it on his own and decided, let's find some Scripture to back this up. He looked at Scripture, said, what does Scripture say? What does the Bible teach? Remember, that's our broad question here. What does the Bible teach about God? So how do we know this is what the Bible says about God? Beginning of the explanation. The God that we began to explore with our first question is infinite, among many other characteristics. And, as we've already seen, is very much not like us in his godness. But how unique is he anyway? Is he the only one like himself? That's what this question seeks to explore. How many gods are there or exist? And, as our answer explains further, is there anything that comes close to being like him? Desiree, you want to continue on with the first section of the answer we're going to explain where he says he is one. Okay. He is one. The God that we're talking about, the God as revealed in the Bible, is one. Now, before you go any farther, okay. what are some other options you've heard for this answer that are incorrect? Do you know what um, I mean? That God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are three separate persons mm-hmm. and not unified in any way. They're all like Correct. three different gods. Distinct entities. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the wrong word. He'll probably clarify um, theological language down here farther, but... Some would say that, yeah, there are three separate that are all gods, plural. There are three gods. We don't believe that. There are also some that would take this too far and say that there's one God that takes on three different um, forms. Personalities. Personalities, yeah. So sometimes God acts as the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Sometimes God acts as the Son. Sometimes God acts as the Father. But no. There's no Trinity, basically. It's just uh, modalism, I think, is the correct word for it. Oh, that. okay, okay. That's modalism, Patrick. Do you I get that? You know? know? Oh, man. Oh, what's the name of that YouTube channel? Um, I'm going to have to look it up. I might link to that video in the description because that's worth it. <laughs> okay. Desert. Oh, man. If you haven't seen that, you have to see it. 
it's it's Lutheran satire. That's the oh, name of the channel. Okay. Yeah. Uh, look it up. It's worth a watch. We're not Lutherans, but I still do appreciate aspects of that video. <laughs> okay. So he is one. Where would you leave off? This certainly means that he is the only mm-hmm. God. Yep. Go ahead. This certainly means that he is the only God, which we'll look at below, but it also means that he is united in who he is. I'm going to use unity rather than oneness to describe this particular characteristic of God. Oneness is often used by some who believe wrongly that God is so one that he cannot be trinity. There we go. Just like, yeah, just like you were talking yep. there. I didn't know he went there, but figures he does. <laughs> yep. The unity of God that he is one is true, and by his own declaration, this truth must be embraced by his people, which then impacts the way they live. And here we have the first reference. Mm-hmm. So check below to see which one. The first one that we just read. Yep. You want me to keep reading? Mm-hmm. Beyond being true, though, his unity is also important in understanding how all of his characteristics or attributes work together. That makes sense. Yep. That is, all of the characteristics that make God, God, are necessary and perfectly complement each other, and they do so all the time. Now, we've heard, or we, we naturally recognize tensions here that come to our mind, right? Mm-hmm. So when we think, how can God be loving and like wipe out people groups in the Old Testament? Like that's an obvious question that will get thrown up at us, right? Mm-hmm. Well, not me particularly, but I've heard brought up before. Well, how can a loving God kill somebody or allow someone right. to die or allow someone to go to hell? But it's because all of his perfect attributes are perfectly working together. How did he say that? Um, his characteristics, his attributes work together. Um, they do so all of the time. So... In, in his lovingness, that doesn't negate his righteous anger or his right. righteous wrath or his or the justice. Fact that he's just, yes. yeah. So that's helpful to keep in mind that all of his character attributes always work in perfect unity all of the time. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I think when a lot of times when someone has questions of God, they're forgetting other attributes of his. Or they don't understand what the other attributes actually mean and look like. Like they might have a uh, a skewed idea of what actual justice is. So yeah. they might know that God is just, but they might not understand, well, this is what it actually looks like to be just. Mm. They might just have a world's skewed idea or, yeah, the, the world's skewed perspective of this is what justice looks like and God isn't that. Well, you're not defining justice properly. Yeah. Okay. So you want to pick it up at God's unity is also? Sure. God's unity is also important as we hear his words and look at his works across human history in the pages of the Bible. So, for example, the God that we hear and see in the Old Testament is the same God that we see and hear in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Example, comparing God's wrath and God's mercy. Yeah. Taking this even a bit further, God is never, at any time and in any way, in conflict with himself. He's never divided He never has a bad day where he's not himself, and he is always in perfect harmony with himself. And because he is one, he is impartial and is always consistent with who he is. And then that's verse reference number Mm two. Yep. We'll move on for now, but keep this truth about God, that he is one, close at hand, for it will be especially important when we get to the next question. Yeah. The next question is as in next week. Um... As in the next catechism or what next question? I think, yeah, the next the next question for two weeks from now for us. Okay. Um, what else? Oh, I, it occurred to me. Well, I've heard this quote before that nothing ever occurs to God. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I like that. But God also never wonders. Yeah. Like, hear me out on this. I may be missing one aspect of the use of the word wonder, but here's what I mean by that. He, he never thinks, oh, I wonder what would happen if this. Yeah. Because he, he knows. Yep. He doesn't have to wonder about, oh, what if I had done that? Or I wonder what will happen if this person does this. Or I wonder, he, he just, he knows. Mm-hmm. He, he never says, I wonder. I, I'm trying to compile a list of things God has never and will never say. Yeah. And what I mean by each of those. And I want to try to think through each of one before I like actually make public anywhere yeah. that list. Because I want to be careful that this is an absolute that he, he there's no situation which God would say, I wonder, because mm-hmm. he doesn't wonder because I'm, well, wonderment implies uh, a lack of knowledge. Right. I think inherent. So, I mean, if I'm wrong on that, shoot me an email. Let me know what I missed. But <laughs> I think that's at least helpful to think about in that respect that I've pointed it out. But I don't remember how that was, <laughs> how that was connected, mostly because this catechism gets us thinking about the character of God and who he is. But I'll go ahead and continue on for now. Okay. We looked at the first section of our answer, uh, which is that he is one. Uh, But the next one, the next section of our big answer for the week is that he is the only true and living God. So let's see how Pastor Danny explains that. Put another way, there there are no other gods except him. He's it. There are no other gods. He's the only God. He has always been the only God and will always be the only God. No other is a phrase that the Bible uses to refer to the uniqueness of God as God, especially in relation to everything else, as our verse above states. And it uses this phrase, and others like it, many times. It's almost as if we need to not only be told, but regularly reminded that there is no other God. Hence, we have a catechism we're going through (laughs) to help us remember. Side note there. Well, in fact, we do. Take the Ten Commandments as an example. Within the first four commands, God tells his people, Israel, that because he is the only God, they are to treat him as the only God. See Exodus 20, 1-11. And when God commands them, for example, not to have any other gods before him, or not to make for themselves any carved image, he isn't saying that there are such things as other gods. Look at reference number three. The Bible refers to... Refers oh, you missed a sentence. Oh, what? He isn't oh. saying that there are such things as other gods. He is saying that we have a tendency to treat other things as God or Thank gods. You. Yeah, I skipped the line there. The Bible refers to such gods as false gods or idols. So even though there actually is only one God... Because we are drawn to false gods, God often refers to himself as the true and living God. And see cross-reference 4 there. Anything else that attempts to function like God is artificial and dead. So yes, we do see in scripture sometimes things referenced as, uh, well that reference you mentioned, there are many gods. Mm -hmm. Or even in the Psalms we see, and this is a different use of the word God, so I'll address them one at a time. When we see that there are many gods, yes, we make for ourselves false gods, false things, objects of worship that we're mm-hmm. drawn to, as he mentions here. But that's why scripture refers to them and clarifies that those are false gods. There is only one true and living God. Um, but also, uh, one psalm that I had a lot of hard, that I had a very hard time with earlier on when I was reading through all the psalms and uh, taking my time going through them the first time was that, it was one we read the other Sunday, actually. Yeah. Was it 83? Oh, I, I, I don't remember the number. Remember. But that God has taken his place in, in the divine among assembly. He's, he is seated among the gods. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? What does that mean? Because I know, I knew this truth, that there is only one true and living God. So what does that mean that he's taken his place in the divine assembly among the gods? He's seated among the gods. Well, the, the language used there, um, it actually refers to like rulers. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so it would be more helpfully translated as kings or rulers. And the psalmist was getting at that, God, when are you going to actually sit down and have justice on earth? Mm. <laughs> because he was seeing injustice. He's like, mm-hmm. when is this going to stop? And eventually he figures it out by the end of the psalm, I believe. Yeah. But yeah, so that's another place where we can see the word translated into our English word gods. Mm-hmm. And will usually be with a lowercase because what it's actually referring to or would be better translated as and would have been read as by the intended audience as kings or rulers. Yeah. So that's another place where we see that idea of one God versus multiple gods. And people will use that and say, well, see, the Bible says there are other gods. Well, now you know how to figure out what the, the scripture is actually saying there and mm-hmm. that there aren't many truly divine living gods. Yeah. All right. So next, he is incomparable. You want to read that section, oh. Desiree? Or did I miss something? I would have pronounced it another way. Incomparable? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the wrong way to announce pronounce um, it? Now I want to ask Google how to pronounce it. You probably I always should. say incomparable, but I bet I there are multiple pronunciations. I thought incomparable was a different word. What did, What is that word then? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not good at defining incomparable. words. Incomparable. You guys are probably laughing at us right now. Incomparable. Turn up my volume here. Incomparable. So you guys hear that. Incomparable. That's probably copyrighted and, audio. From and then they define it the Without right way. equal in quality or extent, okay. matchless. Unable to be compared. Incomparable. Totally different in nature or extents. Okay. I'll read it that way. Nice. Um, Incomparable. You, how many times? Okay. Are we done? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You want me to read it? Uh, yes. Or did you want to? Hopefully you don't get any copyright strikes from that. Yeah, go ahead okay. and read it. I got to snuggle up in my blanket a little more. <laughs> he is incomparable. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> incomparable is another way of saying no one is like him and he cannot be compared to anyone or anything. Hey, look, that sounds like what I just read off Google. Yeah. Let's go. Remember from our previous question, I said that God is so first, best, and highest. That'd be two weeks ago for you guys listening. Yes. That even any sort of second doesn't even come close. This is what we're talking Mm -hmm. about. Nothing can compare to him. No one is like him. We may attempt no comparison comparisons like when we say, it's like apples and oranges. Or we might also try to compare the range of difference between two people's smarts and then say of the one over the other, his IQ is off the charts. But neither of these attempts will do when it comes to thinking Mm -hmm. about God. Why? Because God is an entirely separate category all by himself. Do you think you can compare him with something, with anything? Interestingly, God Mm. himself poses such a question so that in our attempt to find an answer, we might find him to be who he says he is. And that was the Isaiah 40 reference, to whom will you compare me? Number five. God is what no one else is. God knows what no one else knows. God does what no one else can even do. This truth that God, in all that he is, cannot be compared to anyone or anything, leaves us, well, speechless. That's reference 6, Ephesians 3. We don't know how to fully describe him. That is, he's indescribable. And even more, we don't know how to fully describe him, not only because we lack the words, but also because we lack the knowledge necessary to understand him fully. That is, he's incomprehensible. Yeah. Okay. You looked worried. I am so worried. I'm going to pronounce it right. No, you're just fine. Okay. 
So we need God to tell us about himself, and he has in his word, the Bible. But this also means that whatever sort of descriptions we try to come up with in order to understand God will always be limited because we can only use what we know to describe what in the end cannot be compared to anything that is. Yeah, and we see this all throughout scripture, right? Like uh, back in, not grade school, high school, youth group, Mm-hmm. We twice, because of where I landed in the cycle, I came into youth group a little bit early and then I didn't get out late, but we went completely through our cycle of material and we went through Ezekiel twice. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun looking at, well, especially looking back now, remembering what we talked about and seeing Ezekiel try to describe what he was seeing. And he's like, well, it was like this, but it was kind of like that, but it really wasn't. But it was kind of like this, <laughs> but but that doesn't really come close when yeah. he was trying to describe even the vision that he was seeing. And he wasn't even trying to describe God. Yeah. He was just trying to describe a vision that God gave him. Or I can't remember if it was actually completely a vision or if he was actually taken. I think it was all a vision. I think Ezekiel was all vision and he didn't physically move anywhere in real life. And God just showed it to him. But either way, he was having so much trouble trying to describe what was going on. He's like, well, this is the best I can do, guys. I'm sorry. (laughs) And even so much more so trying to describe God and his character and Mm -hmm. um, his beauty, which we didn't even really get to here. So we see that concept throughout scripture that people are like, well, I I can't really describe it, but here's as close as I can get. In Revelation, we see that as well in the throne room, I think. So last section here, our verse which is Isaiah 46, 9. Mm-hmm, I yep. think so. I'll go ahead and read it again. Re- Isaiah 46, 9 reads, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. So our verse tells us to remember that God is holy and entirely unique. W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely and entirely unique. Mm-hmm. He is holy, H-O-L-Y, but he is completely and entirely unique. If you look at the verse in its context, the verses around it, we are instructed farther in our remembering. First, we do need to remember this truth about God, and our remembering happens best when we reflect upon the former things of old, Hmm. God's words and works recorded in his word. So, like, the Old Testament is important? (laughs) Hmm. I know there's a prophet that would appreciate that. Second, we need to remember this truth about God by actually placing what he has said about himself up against the things in our lives that we may be treating as gods. Hmm. As we rehearse what we know about God and then look at our false gods in comparison with him, what's the result? No contest. Nothing even comes close. This is what the Bible teaches about God. So there we go. There's question two. There's some things to think about. Hopefully you, well, Ideally, you wouldn't have learned anything and you already knew all that, but likely you learned something. Which well, would be and good. even then, it's good to remember. Mm, good to be <laughs> reminded, almost yep. like scripture says that and we talked about it. Yeah, so hopefully this was a good reminder, if nothing else, uh, of who God is, uh, why that's important. Um, we brought up a couple of things that that makes a difference in and really the amazement that we can't even describe him is, oop, that's caps lock. That was the wrong thing. <laughs> um, but that's... That's catechism question number two. Hopefully you guys have been enjoying these. I've certainly been enjoying going through having a reminder uh, of some doctrine, and we have many more to come, so I'm excited that we can keep this going. All right. Lastly, segment four. What are we reading, Desiree? Uh, Well, we finished The Magician's Nephew, finally. So we finished number one in the series. Now we're on number seven. (laughs) Yeah. Chronologically. 
Uh, we've explained that before. So if you want to know what's going on with our reading of Chronicles of Narnia, well, listen to our backlog if you missed it. But we're reading in publication, author's publication order and author's preferred order. Out of, which is out of chronological order. But we're on the last one now, which is the last one to, for us to read and the last one chronologically. So we're going to get to finally see the conclusion of the series. And I already hate the villain. The villain? Yeah. How do you know we've seen the villain? Well, he's already a jerk. Oh. Maybe he ends up being a good guy, but he's a jerk. I barely remember. But yeah, the characters we've been interested in. Introduced, introduced to? Introduced to. The one is already like, he's so mean. Yeah. You'd be nice guy. Which I'm I'm holding out that maybe there's something I don't understand and that maybe Lewis wants me to hate him already and we'll understand something later on. But from his actions so far, I'm thinking that there's not really an excuse for those actions and he's actually going to have to own up to them at some point and be chastised for them, I hope. Or something will be brought to mind that I'm like, oh, I didn't think about that, but I don't, I don't think so. Probably not. If Your so, brain tends to think of too many twists and turns. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to be that complicated. Yeah, I have to remember that this is more of a children's book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not Avengers, which is good. So <laughs> we are we finished Magician's Nephew, and now we're reading The Last Battle. Mm-hmm. And I'm planning to read uh, The Art of Neighboring, which is sitting right behind Desiree oh, today okay. on my extra day off. Maybe not the whole thing, but to get a couple more chapters through so that that review can come next week from my perspective anyway. We'll see what that ends up looking like but i just gotta just gotta power through it so we can record okay. anything else you've been reading books to sophia yep the same one over and over again yeah Bert's sometimes little I, garden. Just, uh, <laughs> I know i cringe sometimes i just change the words yeah to blah 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 blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay, that's what you did this morning <laughs> yeah and she loves her 100 words book and we have a new series coming series yeah right oh yeah someone get gifted us their uh old set of the wing feather? I think it's that one. I, I get you told the me. wing feather and the ember series mixed up, but I'm pretty sure it's the wing feather saga. But yeah. So hopefully we we're, can we're not going to shout out the person that gave them to us until we actually get them. What? Why not? Because we haven't gotten them okay. yet. Okay. Okay. She Once said, we actually get them. She said she expects a shout out when we read them. Oh, okay. I didn't know so, she said that. So yeah, yeah. When, we, when we start reading them, hopefully we can finish last battle so I can dive into something a little bit different because this one is, well, if it's wing feather... That's not the one that's quote unquote American Narnia by the author's own words. Oh, there's a series that I want to read. That's he, he refers to not completely and totally, but he's like, well, it's kind of like if you want to compare it to something American Narnia, it's not, but that's a one comparison for a couple of reasons that I know, even though I haven't read them because I listened to his podcast. You're talking about a different series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, You're not talking about Wing Feather. You're talking about the hundred cupboards. Correct. Yes. Which I also want to read, but it's weird. So, um, that's pretty much it. When we start reading those, we'll give a shout out to the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to do it for this week. Uh, hopefully that brought to memories and things about God, and that'll help you better start serving or keep serving within your local church. Bye. Bye.